Welcome out to Draft is in session. Episode 2, we are trying to make this a part of your weekly routine leading up to the big day in May, the draft 2022. No other better place to come than LAFB for that. This is Will Decker on draft in session. I got my main man in the house. Man, myth, and legend, Mr. Jamal Madney. What is going on, my man? Will the thrill. Let's do this. I'm fired up, man. This is going to be a great episode, too. We got kind of a cool one as well. So we're doing the top five wide receivers, uh, you know, at each position. We want to make it L.A.-centric, too. We're going to be looking at the top two uh, receivers uh, from the L.A. schools that we cover, UCLA, USC, and maybe a sleeper or two for your, you know, L.A. Chargers, L.A. Rams. But let's start with the guys that make their day in L.A., and the first guy I want to start with is a guy that is personally one of my favorites. If you know us, we are on the Bruin Bible a bunch. My guy, and he's one of the most underrated players, I think, within the Pac-12 coming out this year, Kyle Phillips. He just declared for the draft this past week. Three straight years of leading the Bruins in catches. Kind of just a dude. You know, he's doing a lot of cool things out there, making big play after big play. Madman, I want to hear your take on Kyle Phillips. I know you like him, but I want to hear how do you think you'll project to the next level and some of the trades you enjoy? Yeah, well, you know, 5'11", 193. Phillips is that prototypical slot receiver in the mold of the Julian Edelmans and the Wes Welkers, the Cole Beasleys, the Brandon Stokelys. You know, this is a guy I think who's the ultimate chain mover. When you need kind of that third and eight, third and nine go across the middle on those curl routes, some of those intermediate out routes. You know, he's sort of that perfect piece, complementary piece uh, in pro-style NFL offense. And I think he's going to make an NFL team, as our owner of LAFB, Ryan Dyrud, said, very, very happy. If You know, just for instance, if you look at one of the most explosive teams in the NFL today and the last couple of years, the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, one of the things where they have struggled this year has been in defenses now playing this hybrid sort of Tampa 2 on Pat Mahomes. And, you know, where you've got the two deep safeties, you're relying on a pass rush uh, with with a four-man pass rush, and then you're hoping to sort of body up uh, the other five, uh, you know, use the other five defenders to kind of body up uh, everybody else. And where they're really struggling is that Tyreek Hill's getting taken away, and these defenses are sort of leaning towards Travis Kelsey, and they could use a Kyle Phillips, you know, a guy who is a professional route runner um, and someone who can sort of eat up those intermediary yards. And so I think there's tremendous demand for Phillips, very high-value guy. Obviously, he's not one of the projected top guys, but in that mid-round Uh, situation I think he's going to make a team extremely happy great route runner and in particular in the red zone you know he was Dorian Thompson Robinson's favorite receiver overall but really in those third and six from the 10 third and eight from the 15 you know those tough areas where now speed is sort of taken away space is taken away you need guys who understand routes understand the game and have sure hands and Phillips has all of those things, and I think his game is built for the modern NFL. I couldn't agree more, and I love some of the points you brought up about Phillips. 
Uh, touching back on the big plays that this guy was able to make, I mean, we go to the LSU game. He makes the game-sealing touchdown. You know, ripping a ball away from Elias Ricks, who, not to get too ahead of ourselves, maybe one of the top guys we're looking at next year when it comes to the NFL draft to get that touchdown. Stanford game. Stanford is making a comeback, and it looks like UCLA might lose it. Kyle Phillips takes a 75-yard touchdown to the house, puts momentum back with UCLA. He got double-digit touchdowns for the first time in his career this past year. For a guy that just moves the chains traditionally, but he kind of took the top off on some of these situations, flashed some of the open field speed that I think a lot of us didn't really believe he had. Um, And by the way, if you're not just looking at receiving, this is a guy that can come in and help you on special teams. He was a phenomenal punt returner at UCLA that's got to throw some – you know, additive to his draft stock, if you will, just having that ability to do that. The the ceiling I have for this guy, and I, I'd be interested to hear your take on this. I think if everything goes right and he reaches his max, he could be a Danny Amendola, a guy that plays 10 years in the NFL, very effective chain moving slot receiver guy. If he's around there in the third or fourth round, Bill Belichick, there's no way he's not taking this guy. I mean, this is just the prototypical Belichick guy from the Welkers, the Edelmans, the Amendolas, even the Jacoby Myers nowadays. I mean, it is this is a perfect scheme fit for what they're looking for. And yes, he was DTR's best friend for UCLA, but Mac Jones may have a new best friend coming out there when all is said and done in New England. Gotta love our guy Kyle Phillips. I think fourth or fifth round is probably a really good estimate for him right now. And depending on that 40 time, let's see what he does there. And I think more importantly for a slot receiver type, that three-cone drill, how fast does he get out of his mm. breaks type of thing? That's going to be a big, big drill for Kyle Phillips moving forward. That's our guy as we cover the Bruins, so we are wishing him nothing but the best in the draft process. Now I want to get to a guy on the other side of town that may have been the most dominant receiver in all of college football before his season was shortened, and that goes that goes to a guy by the name of Drake London. This guy – is a monster on the outside. I've tried to create these categories too, where each guy has like a high school yearbook type of thing. It's like most successful, most, most likely to be most successful, most likely to, you know, run the country in 10 years, whatever it may be. I've got, I've got Drake London as most likely to be the biggest ball Hawk at the next level in terms of catching those jump balls, ripping them up high point in the end zone. He's going to make plays. Give me your thoughts on Drake London because this guy, I mean, I really enjoy what I saw from Drake London this past year. For sure, Will. He he was the most electrifying, explosive, dominant, productive, you name it, wide receiver in America this year, and he barely played eight games. And he played, he did all of this on a USC team that barely had another offensive weapon to speak of over the course of their 12-game season. And so teams knew exactly what was coming, and they still couldn't stop it. And that was sort of a sign of why this guy's talent is just so elite uh, at the collegiate level. I think what makes him so unique is, you know, he's 6'5", 210. So he's built like Randy Moss, actually. Uh, you know, his his physical stature is, is that of Randy Moss. Now, obviously, they play extremely different styles. But Drake London, despite that sort of more wiry frame, just seeks out that contact and physicality and punishment. 
Um, you know, he was dishing them, dishing out the, the contact more than anything else. And I remember last year's the 2020 UCLA game, you know, Slovis throws kind of a jump ball amidst yeah. four UCLA secondary players. And London comes down with it, basically drags two guys, you know, on the road to the end zone, rips the ball out from the third. The fourth guy sort of hanging on his leg. I mean, it was almost a scene out of Little Giants. It felt like a Disney movie, uh, you know, the way he was so dominant. It was unbelievable. And, you know, you just sort of project that forward. He plays with, like, a tight end's physicality, uh, but he has the ball skills of sort of an elite NBA wing. And and that's really where his talents came from, of being kind of a two-sport star in high school. And you can see those elite ball skills. I think that's what really separated him at the the college level. I know that a lot of people like to sort of look at Kyle Pitts and sort of look at London uh, in a similar way. But truthfully, truthfully, that's not an appropriate comparison. I think for, you know, USC fans, USC fans were always sort of denied the chance to see what Mike Williams would have been in the NFL. Everybody forgets that he and Claret from Ohio State, you know, decided to opt out after their uh, respective seasons. And Mike Williams was just never the same after that. And I know USC fans always wonder what would it have been had sort of prime Mike Williams been in the NFL. And the answer to that question is going to be Drake London. And now I think the one knock on London moving forward is this sort of 6-5-2-10 frame where in the NFL – that frame, usually 6'5 guys who are successful are closer to 230. Usually guys who are 210 are closer to kind of 6'2", 6'3". Um, so he's sort of in this tweener spot. And there was also another great wide receiver uh, in college from USC, Dwayne Jarrett, who was a very similar frame but got out physical in the NFL and ended up being a bust. Um, so I think that's where a little bit of the concern comes in. But Drake London is the real deal because of his physicality. And he's going to be Mike Williams 2.0 in the NFL. I love it. And I just want to go back to some of these crazy stats. Like you said, defenses knew it was coming and they couldn't stop him. Eight games, Jamal, 88 catches. He's averaging 11 catches a week on the gridiron. 1,084 yards and 12 touchdowns. So for me, you know, everyone can make the size argument. He's too big in today's NFL. It's not going to work. Okay, we'll stop it then. That's kind of my point. Like, this guy is playing in the Pac-12. For my money, this might have the second-best conference in terms of defensive backs, if we look at yes. the history, going back to the last 20, 10, 20 years. And these are all guys that are going to be on NFL rosters that he's matched up again. They're sending their best and brightest at him week in, week out, and there's literally nothing they can do. Nothing they can do. And, you know, I think Mike Evans is kind of the guy I compare him to. I know that's a name that's been coming around a lot, but Mike Evans had a similar basketball background. Evans walked on the football team as a former basketball player and turned out to be one of the best decisions he ever made uh, considering the pro career he's had there. Uh, Drake London was so gifted at basketball, he walked on the basketball team while playing football at USC. And you just imagine what he can do when he puts all of his time on the gridiron, he's only going to get better to me. And I just am really excited to see what this guy can do at the next level. I think if you have Drake London outside of your top five receivers, I think you're just biased to the, you know, big receiver thing. And another guy that's, you know, he maybe had not explosive statistics, but 
T. Higgins is a guy that similar size uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he was a late, you know, early second round pick uh, two years ago with the Joe Burrow draft, but he's been a very productive pro, I'd say, and uh, a solid number two wideout. I, I think Drake London is far and away a better receiver than T. Higgins was coming out. So I'm so excited. The one thing, Will, is, you know, you go back to the production. And he was on pace to break every receiving record yeah. at USC single season. You know, Marquise Lee was the one USC wide receiver who won the Bolitnikoff. And he was kind of high 130s in terms of receptions, close to 2,000 yards receiving, about 15 touchdowns, his Bolitnikoff year of 2012. But Drake London was going to blow all those numbers out of the water if he didn't get hurt. I mean, Drake London was headed for close to 150 catch season. And outside of a particular system dynamic, you know, outside of, you know, the the run and shoot or the pistol or the air raid, um, you know, that kind of Texas Tech ran. This was not numbers because of a system. This was numbers because of sheer athleticism and production. And we've never had a player in the history of college football have that kind of production and not really pan out in the NFL. And so for everyone who is, sort of concerned about the size argument, you know, the, the game isn't played in basketball shorts at the combine. The game's played with pads on Sundays with grown men. And just to clarify that, we've had a lot of really good receivers come out of SC recently. You know, Michael Pittman's, Nelson Aguilar's, Robert Woods, you know, even some of these guys going back. You mentioned the Dwayne Jarrett, Steve Smith, Mike Williams. I think this guy, and like you said, had he finished this year, would have had the most impressive singular season of any of those guys that we mentioned, given, you know, an unfortunate injury that occurred. So, man, I think if teams are passing on Drake London specifically because they think he's too big, I think that's a terrible argument to pass on a guy like that. So where would you rank him? Do you think he's a top 20 pick, maybe top 15? There are like two receivers I may have ahead of him, but he's got to be in my top three, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, I got him a third. I got him I got him right behind Jameson Williams and Olave. And and I think that those two guys kind of fit more sort of niche needs and are kind of more a little bit more sort of prototypical if you will. And you know, NFL folks oftentimes are pattern matchers. And so I think as a result of that, he's third, uh but not because of necessarily anything that he can't do on the football field. I got him third kind of that third 10 in the first round um, is probably a good spot for Drake London. I've got him third too. I've got another receiver in there that may surprise you that I'm excited to get to. Um, but the guys I want to start with were the two that you mentioned. And my, at least in terms of tape, watching, watching the tape, watching how these guys go about their business. Chris Olave was one of my favorites. I don't have him in my top three, to be honest with you which is a crazy thing to say. But Chris Olave, in terms of his route running, the technician he is, I just am such a big fan. I mean, he broke, shattered, if you will, the Ohio State receiving touchdown record that was previously held by Chris Carter. That's nothing to scoff at. I mean, Chris Carter is one of the best NFL receivers we've had in the last 30-plus years of NFL football. Give me your take on Olave because Ohio State, as just an embarrassment of riches, at the wideout position, and I'm with you. I, I think there's a lot to be talked about with Garrett Wilson, and we'll get to him later. But Olave, from what I saw on film, was clearly the better player in my eyes. Well, he's the most NFL-ready 
uh, on tape. You know, he just does everything so effortlessly and he does yeah. it so well. Like, you know, you sort of look at the measurables and you're like, well, you know, 6'1", 188, he's not that big. You look at the 40 time, he's not that fast. You look at sort of, he doesn't wow you with insane vertical or athleticism. But, you know, just his hand-eye coordination, his ball skills, I mean, his footwork. So yeah. many times this year, he was sort of tight roping the sideline and with a beautiful footwork would sort of cut it back in and had the vision uh, to sort of finish those plays all the way in the end zone. He was sort of a monster between 25 yards and 35 yards of the field. So many of his touchdowns came within kind of that field of play. Um, the guy can just do it all, and he's so smooth. It just yeah. looks so effortless. I'll tell you, we're the L.A. Football Network, Will. The guy he reminds me of, and, and SC fans are going to know what I'm talking about, is Robert Woods. He, yeah. he just does everything so smoothly. Um, the guy is just so NFL ready, and he, I think he can help a team right away. Um, it just it, it blew me away watching him on film, how sort of polished he was. He was never rushed. Uh, it never felt like he was out of rhythm. No one could really get their hands on him consistently. Um, and he just, you know, he did whatever he sort of wanted to do uh, when he wanted to do it. The game was totally at his pace. And that's exactly how Woods played at USC and how Woods is playing with the Rams. I was just thoroughly impressed with Olave. He's, he's got the total package. He, he's the most NFL ready today. I agree with everything you said there. Um, I do have some prospects listed above him, but the term polished just comes to mind when you watch that tape. And I'm so glad you brought this up because this was a point I was going to make. The way he is able to already look at a sideline and tiptoe out, that is such an underrated skill that I don't think a lot of people embrace when they go to that next level. And he strikes me as the guy that's going to be the easiest thing for him to do because that one foot to two foot, that's a big difference from the college to the pro game. And sometimes it takes guys a couple years to kind of get that double toe tap inbounds to make it officially work. And there was nobody better at the college game than Chris Olave. The hands, the route running was just amazing to watch. I mean, you throw on the tape and you're like, this guy's going to be a seasoned vet. I don't know if he has the highest ceiling out of it, but I do think he has the, the lowest floor in terms of he's going to come in and he's going to be a pro from day one. You know what you're going to get from him. He may not be a Pro Bowl superstar guy, but this is a starter for five to ten years in the NFL if everything goes right for him. I'm glad you're on the same page with me on Alave. The guy I want to talk to you about next is my number number uh, my number one guy. Number um, number one. My number number one guy. And that is Jameson Williams, my man. And it was his former teammate at Ohio State. It literally makes no sense how Ohio State has so much talent on that side of the ball. <laughs> Even with Wilson and Olave out of the bowl game, Smith and the Jigba, this guy's going to be there next year. I mean, this guy had an all-time Rose Bowl game. So Ohio State, just an embarrassment of riches. Jamison Williams, get this, he had 15 catches in two seasons at Ohio State. He goes to Alabama, and he absolutely blows it out of the water. And he just, from an athletic standpoint, the way how strong, fluid, fast he looks in the open field, it actually reminded me of a former Ohio State Buckeye. I think this is actually like maybe worst case scenario if he's able to stay healthy throughout his career. He looked like Ted Ginn 
That's the guy uh, I saw. Yeah. He looked like Ted Ginn. I like that. And I, I think he's a better receiving option than that. Um, blew up on the scene this year. We're talking 75 catches, 1,500 yards, and 15 touchdowns on 20.1 yards per catch. I mean, 75 catches and 20 yards a catch, that is absolutely outstanding. And this guy does in the kick return game too. 10 returns, 352 yards, two touchdowns. Give me your thoughts on Jamison Williams because this is my number one guy. I'm very fired yeah. up about him. Will, and, and, you know, just for 20 seconds, I mean, can we just talk about Ohio State? That The fact that the number one receiving prospect, arguably, in, in this draft couldn't crack the top three of the rotation at Ohio State. And it just kind of goes to show you the, the nature of college football. The guys kind of get their breaks only when there's an injury or guys move on to the pros. But when those kind of incumbents who do really well in a system, they just kind of come back and do their thing. Really hard for guys to sort of break in. And it, it wasn't that Jameson Williams wasn't as talented or arguably more talented than the three guys in front of him. He just didn't get the opportunity. There's only one football. There's only 100 yards of field. There's only 60 minutes in a game. And, you know, back to, to Williams. Yeah, I, I love this kid. This kid is going to give uh, an NFL team a sense of explosiveness and verticality. Um, that is is sorely you know lacking on a need basis uh, for some of these teams that are in the first half of the first round. I love the Gin comparison. When I yeah. watched him on tape, he reminded me a little bit of Deshaun Jackson. And Ooh, yeah, it that's, felt a lot a of Deshaun person. Jackson that to me. Threat, where that bigger deep threat, where it's just like you just fast forward a little bit, and he's already yeah. twenty yards behind his defender. Yeah. So absolutely, and I mean, you, his, the, he just exploded. Uh, on tape and I know that his 40 time isn't isn't quite Deshaun level but I I wonder if there's a if there was a 25 yard dash where like once you kind of get going a little bit he might be the fastest 25 yard dash receiver um, that that we've seen in a long time because once he kind of gets it going that acceleration is is next level I mean it was just one move you know sort of a a, a route across the middle or some sort of out route, and he just, it, it's incredible. He just outruns the whole defense going down the opposite sideline. And these are no scrub teams. I mean, he's outrunning Miami in the opener with that 93-yard touchdown, outran, you know, the historic Georgia defense, you know, with that 75-yard sort of, uh, you know, middle-of-the-flat kind of route, and he just outran the whole team. And he just consistently gets behind the defense. I also love his ability to play special teams. Uh, yeah. But what I also love is the fact that he's on punt coverage, too, at Alabama. You know, Saban put him out there, and he had some big tackles, too. So you know this guy is a dude. He's a dog. He wants to compete. He wants to get after it. He's not someone who's a prima donna who just thinks he's a wide receiver. He's a football player. I saw a lot of Deshaun Jackson to his game. And I totally agree with you. I think the the home run threat that he brings to the table, much in the same way, you know, Waddle did at Alabama, much in the same way Ruggs did at Alabama as well. Um, and I love the Ted Ginn. Also a little bit of Terry Glenn, old school Ohio State from the Ooh, mid-90s. Yeah. I think he's a little bit of all of those guys. Um, and I think he's he's definitely the, the number one prospect from a ceiling standpoint. I totally agree. A bigger Deshaun Jackson, too. I think he's yes. the winner of if his career goes the way it's supposed to, he'll have the best career. That's my yes. prediction for Jamison Williams. And it's just something when you watch him play, it is like watching 
the most finely tuned athlete or one of the most finely tuned athletes on the field each and every time he takes. He looks like an Olympic sprinter when he gets going. Just the zero body fat, the strides he's taking, how effortless it looks in the open field. I'm a huge Jamison Williams guy, but I want to take it to my number two guy, and this is a shock. I have this guy as the winner of the biggest freak of the yeah. wide receiver class. I, I think you know who I'm talking about. Traylon Burks. <sighs> this guy, so just to, for size comparison, Jameson Williams is 6'2, 189. Traylon Burks is six foot three, 225 on the outside. Here's something I read too, where I had to do a double take multiple times. Traylon Burks, his hands are so big. He wears five XL gloves on the football field. This guy has absolute bear paws trying to catch a football each and every time he's out there. And by the way, if it's a race between him and Jameson Williams, I think it's closer than a lot of people may expect. This guy has breakaway speed for a guy that's damn near 230 pounds. He may be playing linebacker if they can convert him there. He could be playing safety with Kyle Hamilton, you know, if that works too. But Traylon Burks, winner of the biggest freak award at the wide receiver position, really put it all together this past year. We're talking over 1,000 yards receiving, 11 touchdowns, and was a huge part of getting Arkansas back to where they wanted to be after some terrible years was kind of a, you know, a huge part of their program. Give me your thoughts on Traylon Burks. Cause I am infatuated with what this guy could potentially be. Will you said it all. And, and it's, you know, he's only the fourth razor back ever to get a thousand receiving yards in a single season. Um, so it just kind of tells you the impact that he's had on that program. I had to do not a double take, a triple take, a quadruple take, Looking at the film with this guy, uh, it was absolutely unreal. He is Shannon Sharp size at Jamison Williams' speed. It's almost – it's totally unfair uh, when you sort of look at him. He's built like Shannon Sharp. He sort of plays the game like Shannon Sharp. He just has three gears faster than Shannon Sharp ever did. And it's just absolutely remarkable. I could even see a team – sort of use him in the way the Niners use Debo Samuel, you know, a little bit of that sort of, you know, the physicality, um, you know, in the backfield, you can use him a little bit. You can sort of use him as sort of a pseudo tight end. You can use him in the slot. You can kick him out wide. You can do all kinds of different cool things with him. Arkansas really experimented to their credit, had him even thrown out of the backfield, had him as a decoy in the backfield. Uh, I think he's just sort of a Swiss army knife in terms of what you can do with this guy. And if you can get him in the the right hands of a Shanahan or a McVay or a Kingsbury um, or a LaFleur or one of these really innovative guys, um, I think the sky is the limit. I wouldn't convert him uh, to a defensive position at all. I think there's something really special and magical about this kid. Um, And and he sort of showed out uh, with all his highlights. He's raw. He needs, he needs some more sort of polishing. Technique's not the best. Um, I don't think his sort of nuance and understanding of route running and being able to read defenses is particularly elite yet. But those are all things that you can teach. Those are all teachable. The things that he has are unteachable. They're undreamable, really. I mean, you know, it's, un, it's, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, uh, you know, for, for the average fan, you're talking about a guy who's literally the size of Shannon Sharp, the physicality of Shannon Sharp, but the speed of uh, uh, Jameson Williams. 
It's insane, too. And I think a huge part of the draft, which a lot of fans forget about, it's not necessarily about the production you put up in college, given that Traylon Burks did have a great year at Arkansas. But it's about the projection to the next level and what they could potentially become. Traylon Burks, I mean, the sky literally is the limit if you're able to put those things together. You could even convert him to a tight end, like you were saying. I got very excited when you said the Shannon Sharp comparison. This guy could be an H-back. I feel like he's the type of guy you could put another 15, 20 pounds on, and he's not going to lose a step in the speed category. In fact, I mean, he's like a wide receiver version of like a Vernon Davis. When Vernon Davis came out, he ran that 4-5, and everyone's jaw just dropped to the combine. Traylon Burks is that type of athlete, and you just don't see something like that. Not every year. Maybe I've maybe never seen a receiver like this, period, just to be honest. 230 that can move like that. I am thrilled to see Traylon Burks at the next level. By the way, Chargers fans, you want to add another receiver? That might be the guy right there. So Traylon Burks right up there. Okay, this guy I've got, and I'm excited to hear your take on him. This guy is the closest thing on tape. And this is a big statement. I'm aware of it. The closest thing I've seen on tape to Tyreek Hill, and that is Jahan Dotson from Penn State. This guy, I mean, we're talking about all these speedsters, Jameson Williams, Traylon Burks. If we're going race right now, put money down on the table, Jahan Dotson might be the guy I'm betting on. Uh, I have him as the winner, as the fastest guy in the field. And as we know in football all too well, speed kills. Jahan Dotson Huge year at Penn State, double-digit touchdowns, 1,000 yards. Give me your take on the wideout from Penn State, who has underrated hands, I add, as well. Will, that's uh, – you know, what a, what a great observation there. You know, when uh, – studying Dotson, I think, you know, he, he's in a different situation than an Olave, than a Garrett Wilson that I'm sure we'll talk about. We talked about uh, Najigba, you know, those guys all kind of played together. They could play off of each other, feed off of each other. Dotson was in a situation much like Drake London where he was the man, he was the established man. Everybody knew that he was the primary target. What really jumps out to me, even more than the speed with Dotson, because I don't think he really necessarily got the opportunity to get out and run as much uh, this year, just because of the way defenses were sort of, you know, sort of shading towards his side, he couldn't really get out and really do his thing um, from a from a speed perspective. For a guy who's five eleven, he has had a remarkable level of fearlessness and yeah. willing to climb the ladder to catch balls that are way outside of his strike zone. I mean, the amount of balls that he caught. Um, where he was completely exposed uh, in terms of his body, where his hands were a foot or two away from the rest of his body and having really no regard for any sort of the the after-contact hit, to me is actually the most impressive thing about him and something that that's not a Tyreek Hill trait. You know, Hill's one of those guys like, get me in space, I'm going to be electric. The moment I see a guy, I'm going to fall or I'm going to get out of bounds to sort of be able to preserve my burst. Dotson, I mean, I had to sort of do a double take in the sense of, is this guy really 5'11"? Because he plays yeah. so much bigger, so much bigger. And I think to me, his greatest quality is this fearlessness of going across the middle 
And, you know, you can put it anywhere and the guy's going to go get it. And that's a wiring and that's a mentality. That's not necessarily something you can teach um, in terms of mechanics. That has to be a will and a want to and an instinct um, that comes at a much younger age. And that, to me, really sticks out about Dotson as a trait that really stands out amidst all of these other prospects. He does that better than the other guys. And I have him as winner as plays well above his size as well. Yes. So great point on that. I just think this is the type of guy that, you, like you said, everyone knew where the ball was going there, similar to London. We didn't get that total package where we could have seen him in an offense where maybe they have another guy on the other side that's at least enough to take an extra safety off, something like that. Because this guy was fearless on the football field, and he may have the most fun tape to watch, like the most electric tape. Because, boy, when this guy gets in the open field, it is like watching Wiley Coyote in those right. you know cartoons just run wild. And he is going up, catching balls in traffic, snatching away, and then outrunning the defenders. It's like the kid you see in Pop Warner that's just way better than everybody else. And he's doing that against some Big Ten defenses that were nasty this past year. So I'm very high on Dotson. I think – if he puts it together, he can be very good pro. K.J. Hamler was a very similar guy coming out of the draft, um, you know, a year or two ago. He's better to me than uh, – he looks better on tape than K.J. Hamler, and I was a very big Hamler stand. So, Jahan Dotson, very, very pumped about that guy. And, and Will, the last point on Dotson is just, you know, if you look at the tape, I mean, how much tape we got of this guy in the snow too. And so yeah. I think sometimes what happens with – and his his production was, you know, off the charts. You know, a couple of those Michigan State games where, you know, you could barely see the field. And, and he's out there, you know, doing his thing. Production is not dropped in any way, shape, or form. And so I think sometimes what happens is a lot of these cold weather teams sometimes, you know, get a little nervous when they see guys in basketball shorts. And, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to evaluate. You know, how is this guy going to be in our cold weather in January when we're making a deep playoff run? Dotson's one of those guys where, you know, you've seen it on tape. This guy can go into hostile environments, playoff-like atmospheres in January in, in the Buffaloes and in the Massachusetts and in that Northeast area, uh, you know, New York, the Giants, Jets, you name it, um, you know, and, and come out with a lot of production. And I think that's, that's another unique factor with him. I completely agree, too. And I think, you know, this guy's from Nazareth, Pennsylvania. He's used to the snow. He grew up in it. And, you know, those teams, I think they really would, you know, those Buffalo Bills teams you mentioned, those New England Patriots, they're probably hesitant a little bit on drafting some of those USC, UCLA kids, those Texas kids, those Florida kids, because they have no idea what's coming in Buffalo, New York, New England, in those later months, Green Bay is another team like that. So I think Jahan Dotson having that experience in the snow, kind of embracing it, he, I could see him going pretty early this year, uh, you know, we'll see. But for my money, if the Packers traded up to get him, that would be a home run hit if they want to keep Aaron Rodgers because Rodgers has been kind of complaining a little bit about getting some weapons in there. No guarantee Devontae Adams comes back, too, in a contract year. If they have any intentions of keeping Rodgers, they have the draft capital to potentially trade up, get Aaron Rodgers his next toy. And, boy, a deep ball from Aaron Rodgers to Jahan Dotson, that's as pretty as it's going to get in the NFL right there. Um, last guy I want to touch on before we go into maybe some team evaluations and who might fit uh, some other teams. 
Garrett Wilson. And I know a lot of people have this guy as the number one guy. I'm not saying I'm not impressed, but the tape, I think defenses are so scared to defend Ohio State with the weapons they had. He was wide open on a ton of zone schemes, and he, he made the most of a lot of those. I don't want to say that, but when people have him at number one, I, I couldn't disagree uh, uh, more on that. I think he's probably a four or five guy, um, and he, who knows? He may have the best pro career out of anybody. This is just projections, but I didn't personally have him there. I'm interested to hear your take on what you thought of Garrett Wilson from the film room. Yeah, well, he's a tough one to evaluate. And I'm, I, I'm with you in the sense that I don't really see the sort of can't miss, uh, you know, this guy is every sort of GM's dream as sort of a number one wide receiver. Uh, quite frankly, if there's going to be a bust in this group that we've talked about, it's going to be Garrett Wilson. The, the thing that makes him very special, if you look at the tape, is the feet. Yeah. He has unbelievable feet. He's actually got what, what's where I was really struggling to say, well, you know, what? who does Garrett Wilson remind me of or who does he play like? And you sit there and you start scratching your head and, and you know, you look at more tape, you're analyzing more because the reality is there really isn't a wide receiver comp for him because he's got running back's feet. The, yeah. the, the cutting ability, frankly, if Reggie Bush ran a 4-5, and played exclusively wide receiver, he'd be Garrett Wilson. The other guy he sort of reminded me of, if Shady McCoy exclusively played wide receiver, he'd be Garrett Wilson. It, yeah. He's got this incredible ability to sort of cut, um, you know, and turn and juke. And so many of his plays at Ohio State were, A, like you said, the result of zone coverage and worrying about Olave and those other monsters and him getting a side of the field where he could really operate. But B, it was really at the line of scrimmage where he could kind of make a move with his feet um, and get open. And so the question for me is, you know, he's not really necessarily super explosive. He, he's a sort of a four or five guy. He's not necessarily really big. There's nothing else that he does that's exceptional. It's all about kind of the feet and getting open. And when you sort of put him at the next level with these elite corners and these elite athletes, um, I really wonder. Um, and I think that there's sort of a package for him uh, in much the way the Saints sort of had a package for Reggie Bush uh, when, when he first came out. And, and again, I'm not comparing him to Bush because – the speed just isn't there. But if you just watch him with the ball and the cutting and the juking, it's a lot of Shady McCoy and Reggie Bush. And he's sort of more uh, more running back than receiver. And so I'm not quite as high on, on Garrett Wilson because he's sort of one of those guys that just doesn't, I don't think, has a position at the next level. And I know you and I are kind of in the minority on that. I know. And, uh, you know, he. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm saying he's probably worthy of a – top two round pick, you know, depending on where you select. But I think the kind of, you know, you kind of nailed it with the running back comparison because we've seen success with these wide receivers converted to running backs, whether it's Cordero Patterson, where it's Debo Samuel. When I look at a guy like Debo Samuel, though, this guy was a yak God in college. Like we're talking, not only can he outrun you, but he's going to knock you over too. Like he is built like a tank for his size with that quick feet Garrett Wilson to me doesn't strike me as that. He kind of strikes me as a former Ohio State Buckeye player. You might remember him, Curtis Samuel. Uh, he was a Carolina Panther. 
you know, kind of that hybrid role. He can run maybe a jet sweep for you. And, you know, Debo Samuel only became Debo Samuel because he had Kyle Shanahan as his head coach, who we think we could agree is like, you know, a top five offensive mind in football. I think that's a fair assessment oh, there. Sure. So, you know, I just – I think he needs the right situation as opposed to some of these guys that you could put a Traylon Burks if he reaches his ceiling. You could put, you know, a Jamison Williams in any one of these spots, Jahan Dotson, and I think they're going to make plays. With Wilson – I think you need to kind of scheme up around him and kind of make him a perfect situation. Nothing against Garrett Wilson. We think he could be a stud as well, but I just like the other guys better. And uh, now I kind of want to see if the Chargers would be interested in any of these receivers, maybe at the end of the first round. And the guy that came to mind for me, Jamal, I know I mentioned Burks earlier, but you kind of have those two possession wideouts with, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Can you imagine putting a Jahan Dotson? in there going against the real Tyree kill each and every year. Cause that's the new rivalry. I think if there's, if Jahan Dotson is somehow on the board where the chargers are there and grant, they've got needs on the defensive line, the offensive line, they've got some issues there, but boy, it's kind of like what the, the Bengals did last year where it's like, boy, do we have some glaring issues, but this Jamar chase guy, he will mean this much to my team. Do you think Jahan Dotson would be a perfect fit in, for the chargers? Like I do. I do. Uh, I think that he would be a, a great addition. Like you said, you know, they've got Keenan Allen, they've got Mike Williams. Um, and so those guys are more kind of intermediate guys. Although, although Mike Williams was able to sort of stretch the field more this year. And I think Herbert with just his superior arm uh, was able to kind of throw him open more down the field. Now, if you give Herbert a true deep threat and let him sort of unleash that arm, I mean, you know, uh, the, the, the sky is the limit, but I think, even a Burke, I think, for the Chargers would be absolutely outstanding. You know, if you can kind of get, you know, him into that scheme and do all kinds of interesting things with him and Eckler and him and the receivers and, and sort of, you know, bring a lot of variety to that offense. I think where, you know, the Chargers kind of struggled mostly was in, you know, mo mostly on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they had, you know, one of the worst run defenses in football and so it sort of forced them to always be in these shootout-type games and sort of throw more than they would have liked. And I think they want to be a little bit more balanced. And I think getting uh, a guy like Burke could really sort of, you know, create some balance where, you know, you can sort of create some misdirections. You can use the throw to set up the run a little bit more, vice versa, and not be just so predictable. I think the Chargers were a little predictable offensively this year. Uh, but because they had such exceptional talent at the skill positions, they were able to overcome that. But now, you know, you can't rely on that year after year. So I think a Dotson, a Burke, both would be great fits for the Chargers. And I'm going to tie it off where we started. Rams don't have a pick till the fourth or fifth round. How about Kyle Phillips? I mean, they got OBJ. They got a healthy Robert Woods. They've got Cup, who's kind of emerged out of the slot, proving he could be an outside receiver too, given what he's done. How about just throwing Kyle Phillips into the mix for a fifth round pick? He gets you in the return game. He gets you those extra, you know, first down, move the chains moments. I think he could be, you know, very different receivers, but I think he could be similar to kind of that Josh Reynolds role where it's like, man, this is a luxury to have this guy as the third, fourth receiver on your roster. Having that for Kyle Phillips, staying in Southern California, he's got a fan base there. I think Kyle Phillips to the Rams would be a perfect situation for him. Well, no question about it. I think, uh, 
I think, truthfully, the Rams, I think, probably have some more pressing needs. It's sort of an embarrassment of riches at the wideout position. I, I think a guy like Zach Charbonnet could really help the Rams in terms of, you know, balance, giving them a little bit more toughness. I, I think that the Rams are still a little soft, and I think they could use a hammer. But if they, if they can address their kind of running back and toughness situation and they have a pick, I think McVay with Phillips, oh, my goodness. I think that's an that's a ideal toy for Sean McVay and, and what Phillips can bring to the table. I think that's a no-brainer. Definitely, man. Well, we've got all of draft season to come. The Madman and I will be on this weekly. We're going to try to get more guests. Draft is in session. This is such a fun show. We will be out and be back next week. Uh, draft in session. We'll see you.